Chapter Ten of Aristotle's Masterpiece by Pseudo Aristotle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Virginity, what it is, in what it consists, and how vitiated, together with the opinions of the learned about the change of sex in the womb during the operation of nature in forming the body there are many ignorant people that boast of their skill in the knowledge of virginity and some virgins have undergone harsh censures through their ignorant conclusions i therefore thought it highly necessary to clear up this point that the towering imaginations of conceited ignorance might be brought down and the fair sex whose virtues are so illustriously bright that they excite our wonder and command our imitation may be freed from the calumnies and detractions of ignorance and envy and so their honour may continue as unspotted as they have kept their persons uncontaminated and free from defilement virginity in a strict sense signifies the prime the chief the best of anything and this makes men so desirous of marrying virgins imagining some secret pleasure is to be enjoyed in their embraces more than in those of widows or of such as have been lain with before though not many years ago a very great personage thought differently and to use his own expression the getting a maidenhead was such a piece of drudgery that it was fitter for a coal-heaver than a prince footnote attributed to george the fourth brackets translator End footnote. but this was only his opinion for i am sure that other men think differently the curious inquirers into the secrets of nature have observed that in young maidens in the sinus pudoris or in what is called the neck of the womb is that wonderful production usually called the hymen but in french bouton de rose or rosebud because it resembles the expanded bud of a rose or a gilly flower from this the word de floro or de flower is derived and hence taking away virginity is called deflowering a virgin most being of the opinion that the virginity is altogether lost when this membrane is fractured and destroyed by violence when it is found perfect and entire however no penetration has been effected and in the opinion of some learned physicians there is neither hymen nor expanded skin which contains blood in it which some people think flows from the ruptured membrane at the first time of sexual intercourse now this claustrum virginale or flower is composed of four little buds like myrtle berries which are full and plump in virgins but hang loose and flag in women and these are placed in the four angles of the sinus pudoris joined together by little membranes and ligatures like fibres each of them situated in the testicles or spaces between each bud with which in a manner they are proportionately distended and when once this membrane is lacerated it denotes 
devirgination. Thus, many ignorant people, finding their wives defective in this respect on the first night, have immediately suspected their chastity, concluding that another man had been there before them, when, indeed, such a rupture may happen in several ways accidentally, as well as by sexual intercourse, v. by violent straining, coughing, or sneezing, the uh, stopping of the urine, etc., so that the entireness or the fracture of that which is commonly taken for a woman's virginity or maidenhead is no absolute sign of immorality, though it is more frequently broken by copulation than by any other means. Footnote. A young man was once tried at Rutland Assizes for violating a virgin, and after close questioning, the girl swearing positively in the matter, and naming the time, place, and manner of the action, it was resolved that she should be examined by a skilful surgeon and two midwives, who were to report on oath, which they did, and declared that the membranes were intact and unlacerated, and that in their opinion her body had not been penetrated. This had its due effect upon the jury, and they acquitted the prisoner, and the girl afterwards confessed that she swore it against him out of revenge, as he had promised to marry her, and had afterwards declined. End footnote. And now to say something of the change of the sexes in the womb. The genital parts of the sexes are so unlike each other in substance, composition, situation, figure, action and use, that nothing is more unlike to each other than they are. And the more, all parts of the body, the breasts excepted which in women swell, because nature ordained them for suckling the infant, have an exact resemblance to each other. So much the more do the genital parts of one sex differ when compared with the other, and if they be thus different in form, how much more are they so in their use? The venereal feeling also proceeds from different causes, in men from the desire of omission, and in women from the desire of reception. All these things, then, considered, I cannot but wonder, he adds, how anyone can imagine that the female genital organs can be changed into the male organ, since the sexes can be distinguished only by those parts. Nor can I well impute the reason for this vulgar error to anything but the mistake of inexpert midwives, who have been deceived by the faulty conformation of those parts which in some males may have happened to have such small protrusions that they could not be seen, as appears by the example of a child who was christened in Paris under the name of Ivan, as a girl, and who afterwards turned out to be a boy, and on the other hand, the excessive tension of the clitoris in newly born female infants may have occasioned similar mistakes. Thus far, Pliny in the negative, and notwithstanding what he has said, there are others, such as Galen, who assert the affirmative. A man, he says, is different from a woman only by having his genitals outside his body, whereas a woman has them inside her. 
and this is certain that if nature having formed a male should convert him into a female she has nothing else to do but to turn his genitals inward and again to turn a woman into a man by a contrary operation this however is to be understood of the child whilst it is in the womb and not yet perfectly formed for nature has often made a female child and it has remained so for a month or two in its mother's womb but afterwards the heat greatly increasing in the genital organs they have protruded and the child has become a male but nevertheless retained some things which do not befit the masculine sex such as female gestures and movements a high voice and a more effeminate temper than is usual with men whilst on the other hand the genitals have become inverted through cold humours but yet the person retained a masculine air both in voice and gesture now though both these opinions are supported by several reasons yet i think the latter are nearer the truth for there is not that vast difference between the genitals of the two sexes as pliny asserts for a woman has in a way the same pudenda as a man though they do not appear outwardly but are inverted for the convenience of generation one being solid and the other porous and that the principal reason for changing sexes is and must be attributed to heat or cold which operates according to its greater or lesser force end of chapter 10